This episode is brought to you today by Forage and Fromage. They are an edible grazing box and grazing gift business that specialize in a premium food experience for any event and occasion. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Wow. Episode 24. I'd like to say a big thank you if you're a a listener from the beginning or welcome if you are new to the Left of Field podcast. I'm Danny Kavanagh and I am back today with another great chat. Now, this is a new sport, heptathlons. That's right. I'm going to chat to Tori West, a Queenslander who is rising through the ranks in this sport. She's currently training extremely hard, hoping to make her first Olympics and Tokyo 2021. She chats to me about the struggles of the sport, both financially and culturally. And also, she is extremely busy off the track and got some exciting things in the works. She is really motivational and I really think everyone will enjoy this chat. So yeah, let's get going. Tori, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you for making the time to chat to me. I know you are in full training mode preparation. You're pretty busy. Let's just start from the beginning though. How did you get into the sport? It's pretty, it's different, right? Yeah, my head pass line is a pretty niche event in track and field not many people actually know about it they're like what's the head pass on you ride horses i'm like no it's just track and field in track and field events you do the 100 meter hurdles high jump shot put 200 long jump javelin 800 you do it over two days and then you get a point score based on how well you've performed so it's pretty tough was there a particular sport that you started with first? Were you a sporty kid growing up? I know you were from Queensland. Did you pick up every kind of sport or was it always athletics? Yeah, well, when I was a little kid, I started athletics when I was three, turning four, and I lived on the same street as the club. And so naturally I was just like, Dad, I want to do it, give it a go. And started off in athletics, but I dabbled in a lot of sports. Like my dad would only let me do one sport per year because it was always pricey. So I did athletics and basketball tennis, also boxing. I didn't seriously get into athletics until I was about 15 because I had a coach who scouted me out, Gary Cairns, and said, you got a fast arm, you should throw a javelin. And so a year later, I was a national champion. And then after that, I didn't really do much. I actually sort of went through a bit of a hard phase, like post high school, trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do with my life. And then I did boxing got serious into that for a while but then when the Commonwealth Games I heard it was going to be on the Gold Coast I was like you know what I actually think I can make it in athletics for the heptathlon like I've always been an all-round athlete let's give it a go so that was 2017 is when I seriously got back into athletics and started the heptathlon and I haven't looked back since so that's the story condensed. How do you train for seven different events? Well, it's really tough to train every day. Basis of everything is you just got to be strong and fit. A lot of dynamic powerlifting in the gym, making sure you cover all the bases in your running so that you can run an 800 at the end of day two. And then I try to do at least one technical session per event. But the basis of everything is strength and speed. And what is your favorite event and what are you best at and what do you need to work on? The event, I like get the most 
points for at the moment is high jump and the 200. But javelin I'm also really good at, so that helps. The event I need to improve on is, is the long jump, which I find surprising, to be honest, because I'm quite strong and powerful. I think I just haven't got the technical understanding yet, but it's coming along really well this off-season. So we'll see how it plays out over the summer. Obviously, COVID has played havoc on the sport for you. You were training to head to the Tokyo Olympics. Did you make it in? So, yeah, I was training for the Olympics. I was on my way. I won nationals this year. And so to qualify, I had to do either the automatic qualifying score or I had to do two big meets and place well and do well. So I'd done one of the meets and then I was on my way to Europe to do my second one and then obviously I couldn't go. I didn't officially get my ticket, but I was on my way. So that sucked. But to be honest, COVID, as an athlete, COVID's actually been a huge opportunity for me because I'm a relative latecomer to my event. Another year of training has been awesome. Like I've gotten ridiculously fit and I've just been able to get my life sorted as well. So much when you're an athlete, you just focus on competition to competition and training. You don't really get a chance to focus on work and just what life is actually about. As much as I love sport, it's not, you know, my purpose in life. So it's nice to have a bit of a mental break from competition. Yeah, you've only been doing the sport for seriously for about three years. And there are limited spots, though. So what is the Olympic standard that you need to be at and where are you currently at now? What's your target? Well, at the moment, I'm ranked number one in Australia and Oceania and ranked 55 in the world. To make the Olympics, I have to be ranked in the top 24. So if I get one more competition with a score of 6,300 points or more, I should get myself in the top 24. And that extra 300 points will just come from an extra 20 centimetres in long jump an extra metre in the javelin and knocking off about 0.2 of a second in my hurdles and my 200. So it's not even like a far-fetched thing. It's I just got to piece it together when it counts. And that's it, really. Because they have on you don't compete every weekend. You probably only do two to three per year, right? So I can't just compete every weekend and try and knock off that score. I've got to make sure everything falls in place when a competition comes around, which is why it's so tough. For the most part, my team and I super confident that we can pull it together. It's just waiting for that right meet, the right competition with the good conditions, and then we're good to go. When you're competing, do you know how you're going against other people? Do you feel confident at the time, or are you pretty just working on your own game and you don't know until the end? Well, usually when you go into comps, like you have a general sense of everyone's strengths and weaknesses. So for someone like me, I'm very strong at javelin. So if you're not beating me by javelin, you know, you're in trouble because I can throw really far. So what you do through competitions is you can sort of sense how someone else is going by how they're going in their strong events. So if they're a good high jumper and they've just jumped 10 centimetres under their PB and high jump, you know, like, you've got them because they're not performing in their best events. So you have a general sense. But really, in a heptathlon, you don't actually know till after event six, just before you get into that 800, where you're at. But in saying that, if you're really serious about the event and you're really competitive, you don't actually focus on your competitors. You just focus on executing your own game because that's all you can control. So that's how I see it anyway. And are you confident you're going to make that world ranking to get into the Olympics? Yeah, I've said this before to many people. They always ask, oh, are you confident? And I'm like, yeah, I am. I don't really have a plan B. You know, like in my head, it's just that's the goal. That's what we're going for. That's what we work for. And even with the ranking, like I don't even, 
look at the ranking. I look at the automatic score. Like, I want the 6,420 points. I don't want the top 24. I want the automatic qualifier, you know. So I am confident about it. I just got to go execute when the opportunity arises. So what do you need to do to take your athletics performance to the next level? I probably need to cut back on work. Athletics is an incredibly tough sport to make it, not just because it's physically demanding, but because it's expensive. You know, I get absolutely no support from my governing body to help me be the best I can be, which is really tough because, you know, you got to buy shoes, you got to pay for travel expenses, your physio and massage each week, your food, all that sort of stuff. And it's expensive and you got to pay for it. I work, well, I own my own company actually, and I do digital development. So I've been pretty lucky in that sense because I've been doing that for seven years. Like I started Heptathlon knowing I had an income, but I'd love to just be a full-time athlete where every day it's just eat, sleep, train, repeat. But that's not the case. I have to work. I have to make sure I cover my responsibilities in my life outside of athletics. And I think I will maybe next year be in a position where I can be a full-time athlete. But at the moment, I've just got to, it's not the case. So the biggest thing is just balancing it all. How are athletes treated by our governance here? Pretty shocking, to be honest. It's pretty shocking. I won nationals in February this year, and I didn't even get an email or any sort of point of contact from Athletics Australia saying, well done, we're watching. This is the hardest time for athletes. Like, I'm not asking for money. I'm just asking for communication. Just simple things like when competitions are on. I don't even get any correspondence about it. And it's really, it's poor form. Like, it's it's not really any way to put it, any other way to put it. And even in here in Brisbane, like, you've got, like, academies of sport. But in reality, these organisations, it's who you know. If you know a certain person or you train within a certain squad, then you get access. But if you don't, then you don't get access. So you don't even get approached to see if you do need help, even if you are the top-level athlete. So for me personally... I've just surpassed the level or the score I needed to get the support and the facility access. And even though that's happened, I've received nothing. In fact, I got an email during COVID saying, you don't get any access to these facilities because we don't deem you an athlete that's likely to make the Olympics. So it's pretty poor. For an organisation that is all about high-performance athletes, the governance is very poor performance. It's very low. So it's sucky. Now, who doesn't love a gourmet platter? And Forage and Fromage are a local Perth business that bring you all your on-demand gourmet platter needs. If you need a great gift idea for a corporate event or even entertainment with friends and family, you need to hit these guys up. Now, you can get same-day delivery. It's guaranteed to impress your guests with satisfying range of high-quality and locally-sourced produce to suit different tastes and preferences. So all those fussy dietary requirements, they also cater to them. Now, I love these stylish grazing tables and they've got grazing boxes as well for cute little gift ideas. I got one of these platters to enjoy with my partner and it was delicious. He was really surprised and loved it. And there was so much fruit, good cheese and crackers. And honestly, it was just high quality local ingredients that uh, you really can't complain about. Today, all you lovely Left of Field listeners, I've got a great little promo for you. So head to the Forage and Fromage website and uh, they're happy to give you all 20% off your first order with them. So why not spice up your next dinner party or event and really impress your friends?
Do you see it more than as a situation where it's who you know, you're going to get ahead if you know people within the athletics world rather oh. than based off your performance? A hundred percent. Like, if you're, obviously, if I did a stand-out performance and I broke the Australian record and I got a clear-cut Olympic qualifier this year, I would get certain things, you know, because it's clear-cut. It's obvious. You're the best in the game and you're best worldwide. But if you're just on that cusp, you've broken through, but you're just on that slight upcome, it's totally about who you know. Like, I know athletes who haven't competed in two years that aren't ranked where I am at, and they get more than I do because they know certain people and they're kept in the loop. It's so clicky, it's ridiculous. I'll publicly say it. I'm not afraid because I've got nothing to lose, but it's really bad, the culture in athletics. What do you think needs to happen then to improve it and to, you know, entice the best to stick at it and keep going even through these tough times? I think culture is always a top-down problem. So it's always people who are sitting at the top. It's the middle managers. It's people who are head of high performance. I think they need to have a really good look at the way they're managing things and their key performance indicators and decide what are the goals because nothing's clear. And so I think a cultural change will start from the top, but I don't know if that's going to happen, (laughs) especially in organisations where it's government money, it becomes political. And it's not about the athlete, it's about keeping jobs and providing proof that this funding is going somewhere. So I think the cultural change will start from the top. But the reason I stick with it and why, even though I get really ticked off by it all, the reason I still stick with the sport is, A, I love it. Like, I'm super passionate about it. I love the way it makes me feel when I improve and when I perform. And also, I'm all about the grassroots movement of athletics, the club level. Like, clubs have supported me. I come from regional Queensland. It's been people and coaches in those places that have really helped me get where I am now. It's, It's had nothing to do with the upper levels of athletics. So... That's how I look at it. You know, I think a lot of athletes too are just like a bit afraid to say something about it because if you do, you sort of get yourself in the the realm of being in bad standing with the governing body. And when that's the case and they have team selections, there's a certain clause within the selection policy where it says you must be in good standing with the organisation. And so if you say something, you can sort of put yourself in a position where you might not be selected for certain things or, you know, you might be excluded purposely because you say something. So it's a touchy subject, but as I said, I just don't care. No, it's great to hear that, you know, motivated to stick at the sport and you're always trying new things. Like you've mentioned, you've got a lot of different side jobs, obviously, to make an income to support you. Can you tell us a bit about what else you do outside of athletics? Yeah, for sure. So at the moment, I... Literally this year, actually, I started two companies. So the first one is I've been doing digital development and marketing for about seven years. So I have a company where I do that, and I have about five freelancers I work with and outsource work and do project management for health and wellness organizations as well as sports organizations. So I work a lot in the back end of promoting events and promoting businesses to do with health and sport, which is right up my alley. I love that stuff. And then the other company I started is a tech company. So Part of the digital development I do, I started off in websites and then eventuated into apps and got some investment to build a track and field app, actually, and a wellness app for athletes. So the next couple of years, alongside of athletics, I'll be building these companies and using the tech in my own journey. So it's pretty cool. And I've been in a very blessed position to be able to do that. Yeah, a bit of an entrepreneur. How do you find time to fit all of this in? Is it difficult? 
Oh, it's exceptionally difficult. My social life is athletics. Most of the people I hang out with are at athletics. I usually am up early in the morning. I get up early, like 6 a.m., get straight to a cafe, work until about 10 a.m. Then I have my first gym session. Then I have some lunch, have a nap, do some more work, have some meetings, go to training again. And then any work that I've missed during the day, I have at night. But lately, because I have been able to build a team, I've been able to like outsource a bit of work, which is awesome. So my role is more like the glue that holds everything together more so than actually working. So it's it shifted. I've been able to manage it a bit better now. But if you asked me six months ago, I was like not even sleeping. It was a lot of late nights and it was not healthy. You've also during COVID, taking the chance to kind of grow, I guess, your online profile and you joined TikTok, but you actually got a really good response. Can you tell me a bit about the motivation that you had behind that? Oh, that was not, that was a big mistake. Like, I don't know how that happened. See, my little sister, I have a little sister who's 11 and she was on TikTok. She's like, Tori, do TikTok with me. I'm like, no, I'm not, you can't even pay me to do that. I'm not even doing that. Anyways, COVID hit and all the, and there was this big surge in TikTok because I watched Gary V and stuff and he's like, you have to get on TikTok. I was like, fine, I'll get on TikTok. And the first TikTok I made was just this sketchy little vlog <laughs> uh, and it went viral and I was like, oh, okay. And so I just kept making them daily. And I think in the first couple of weeks or two to three weeks of using TikTok, I had a million views across my profile. I was like, what the heck is this? So I just kept making content and it grew like that. And it's really cool to tap into the younger audience. I find a lot of the people who watch younger teenage girls, which I like, like I like having influence in, in that way, being sort of like a wholesome internet person they can follow. So I, I've enjoyed it now. I, I did stop for a while because it was a bit much like had to focus on work. It was just all this content. But lately I've started picking it up and I'm enjoying it. It's quite fun. No, it's definitely something quite different. And obviously, like you mentioned, growing your online presence, has that resulted in any sponsorship or anything that you can use with athletics? It has. I have got offers. But to be honest, I want to build a personal brand. Like I just want to build my own platforms and be completely autonomous, meaning that I don't have to change what I say or what I think for a sponsor. And because I have my own digital sort of marketing and products that I'll be introducing in the future I just want to build a platform and a community that's really authentic and then in the future I'll see ways that I can turn that into something that provides value to the community and you know monetary value as well but at the moment like I have got offers but I'm just not really interested in them because I don't really need it or actually that's a lie my physio my physio is probably the main one that I get sponsorship from but he's part of my team and a different sort of situation but at the moment I just want to build an authentic audience and enjoy it along the way and that's it. Sound extremely busy. Moving forward what are you planning on focusing on more and you know what direction do you want to take your career in? For athletics like I literally just want to see how good I can be. Give it my all because this is the only time in my life where I can do that. You know, I can't do this in my 30s. I can only do it now. And then at the same time, I know with my athletics, like I've already got to travel the world and I know I'm going to travel the world more in the next two to three years. And to build a company along the side to do a tech in a field that I love, I think that's amazing, like to have international opportunities. One of my team members who's a product designer, he's based in Belgium. The World Athletics Headquarters in Monaco and I've already put out feelers there about having meetings to do with the app and what we're doing. So I just, honestly, I I just want to see what happens. I just want to approach everything I do, like with excellence and just give it all my my best and just 
develop really good products that really help people, that like it's helped me. So all the sort of tech we're doing has been the sort of system we've applied to me as an athlete that's helped me get through injury, that's helped me have the rate of improvement I've had over the last three years, see if we can build a successful company. Now, most startups fail. I'm very aware of that. But I sort of want to apply the same method that I apply to my athletics. Like you're going to go to events and you're going to fail sometimes. What matters is you just, you learn what, what went wrong. And then you work at making sure that doesn't happen again and make sure you have the right team. I want to build the company. I think it's a three to five year project for that. And then I want to do athletics for the next three to five years at the same time as well. So that's where I see myself in the next five years. The next 10 years, I don't know. That's too far away. But yeah, I hope that answers it well enough. No, it does. And what is your next competition then? What are you training for now? The next competition is the ninth and 20th of December in Brisbane. So that's a state championship. And it is the first competition within the Olympic qualifying period, which opens on the 1st of December. That's my next opportunity to qualify. And then after that, the next one will be in April, which will be the Australian National Championship. So you just need to get a a good enough score out of these two and you could be off to the next Olympics. Yeah, exactly. I just got to get a good score and perform well and they're basically where I'm gonna you know book my tickets to Tokyo so I'm excited. I like to ask all my guests this but what is something then that motivates you and keeps you going to hit these goals? Well I think the main one was like there's this saying it's a weird saying I don't know if I don't know who said it but it's there is nothing but good news everything else is a lie and what that means is just to filter everything through the lens of this is good. This is meant to happen this way. Even though it's crappy, all things are going to work for good. You just got to see your opportunity in this bad time. I think that'd be the main one. It's just because I've had a lot of lows in life, I guess. And in those lows are generally where the biggest opportunities come. And so that's what drives me because in my sport, particularly in, in any sport, you're always going to have lows. And that's been a motivating factor for me. I'm actually weirdly thankful for when bad things happen because I learned what not to do and it's character building. You can get through low points and you can handle the high points. No, that's great. It's a very positive way to look at life and look at sport and your career. Do you think that maybe more people should give the sport a go? I definitely think so because athletics is the basis of all sports. Like you've got to run in all sports, right? Except ping pong, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But um, it is the basis of all sports and it teaches you fundamentals. It's really good for younger kids as well because there's such a variety of different events. Like you could be a thrower, you can learn if you're a distance runner or a short distance runner. It really gives you a good foundation. And also it's all about improving your personal best. Whenever I coach younger kids, I'm like, I don't care how far you throw. All I care is that you come out here and you throw further than you did last time. And if you didn't, then we figure out why and we learn that process. So it's just all about comparing yourself to yourself. And that's why I think it's a sport everyone should give a go. And also, because it does have running as well during this COVID time, it's probably the only sport people could do. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. It was really great. I know you've got to go now and do a training session. What's today involving? Today I've got some high jump, shot put and a 2K run. Wow. Well, if anyone else wants to give that a go for their Friday, uh, maybe they can uh, try that one out. But otherwise, uh, 
Thank you so much for chatting to me. Really excited to see how you go in your next competition and we will all be following you very closely. But good luck for the Olympics. No worries. Thanks for your time. I just want to say another big thank you to Tori West for giving up her time and giving us a really good insight into the world of athletics in Australia. It does sound like there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And a big thank you to you if you've got this far in the episode. You've made it to the end again and thank you. I really appreciate all the support. So please like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week and I will be back in your ears again next week with a very exciting episode. I don't want to give too much away, but stay tuned. Thank you and goodbye.